Welcome to our true crime, true family podcast. Quarantine equals no life, so we've decided to start a true crime podcast. I'm Emily, and along with my mom, Kate, and our cousin Paige, we will be discussing popular true crime documentaries and cases. Due to sensitive subject material and explicit language, viewer discretion is advised. Hey, we're back this week with Capturing the Freedmans, here with my cousin Paige and my mom, Kate, who will get us started. Hey, guys. That was new. Yeah, I know. I, <laughs> I don't really know hey how to guys. start. Hey, guys. <laughs> so, well, I know Emily didn't watch it. Were you able to watch it? Yeah, I watched it. Um, They're crazy. I... Ugh. Ugh. They're... <laughs> oh, they're weird. It's super weird. It's so strange. The whole thing. Like it's like <sighs> after abducted him here, why not recap another completely batshit crazy family? Oh my god. Yeah. It was, capturing yes. Friedman's. It was a lot. It, it, if, it was another one that felt like it took five days to watch and it was only an hour and 45 minutes. Yeah. But it didn't feel like it took as long as Abducted in Plain Sight. No, Abducted in Plain Sight made me want to, like, die. Mm-hmm. It was forever. Like, I, I could not figure out how did, like, that amount of time feel like how it did. I really, I felt like I lost, like, year yeah off my life yeah um and so but yeah it does it 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 is long but it does go better than or faster than abducted in plain sight Mm -hmm. and so i mean the first thing i wrote was i'm not entirely sure what the actual truth of this story is because all of it seems so out there so I've seen that people believe all of it like every single thing happened people believe something happened but just not how they it just wasn't how they portrayed it and then some people believe nothing happened I could not by the end of it I could not get a grasp of what happened like I had I I don't know what to believe um yeah, I kind of felt like that too. But I I think something happened, just not everything. I think at the very least, he was in the process of grooming them to try to like molest other kids. Who his like, son? Like by playing those like the dad, like by playing those like video games mm-hmm. and stuff. But like that like the the shadow guy that couldn't be bothered to sit up for the interview, like <laughs> wearing his jorts god like believe his story but i do that one was something weird there yeah because i don't know we'll get into it later with his whole hypnotism and everything else but yeah he i didn't i didn't believe him well, yeah, I know, and I no, I didn't believe him, and I believe maybe something differently happened, but definitely not what he was saying. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, they, uh, the whole thing. Mm-hmm. So, um, I get okay. So Andrew Jarecki is the person that made the documentary. I think he also made the Jinx. Um, oh, which you know I haven't seen the Jinx, but I've heard it's good. It's very good, and uh, that's another <laughs> very weird case. Perfect. Yeah. <laughs> Originally, he was preparing to do a documentary about children's birthday party entertainers. And then he met this 
professional clown named David Friedman, who was the son and brother of Arthur and Jesse Friedman, who'd been convicted of child sexual abuse in a high-profile 1980s criminal trial. Wait, like, what were what? the names? Arnold, Arnold and Jesse. Arnold and Elaine. No, Arnold and Jesse were the ones that were convicted of child. Oh, sexual okay. Abuse. I okay. I apparently wasn't listening to you. I'm sorry. <laughs> Continue. <laughs> <laughs> that bids well for us trying to get listeners on this. <laughs> like, look, I'm doing it, and I can't even listen to you. Um, did you know that Aunt Aunt Amy, Aunt Brenda, and Uncle Jamie did not know that we have a podcast? Um, I for sure one hundred and ten percent sent out the link. I know you did because I told them you did. What they're like? Oh, oh. So what am I like? I'm just that like family asshole that nobody <laughs> likes. Like what the hell? I send out text, no one looks at it. Forgot I was the favorite. Yeah, because I was like... Well, I'm not trying to be the favorite. <laughs> well, I said to Aunt Amy, because I sat across from her at breakfast this morning, and I was like, yeah, I got to go home and, rep- and record the podcast. And she was like, what podcast? And I was like, oh, me, Kate, and Emily do a podcast, like, every week, and we publish it. It's out on, you know, podcasts on iPhones and stuff like that. And then Uncle Jamie was like, well, how do I get it? And he has an Android, so I had to tell him to download the Anchor app and... Yeah, it was a whole thing. They they had no idea. Well, I feel very supported in this yeah. family. And Brenda was <laughs> like, what do you do it on? What do you guys do it on? I was like, true crime documentaries. guys <laughs> care. Yeah. But they probably would have thought in um, Abducted in Plain Sight Part 2, like at the beginning, it was like like three stories about Grandma. I didn't listen to that part yet well why would you (laughs) I listened to the beginning of part one the beginning not even part one the beginning she's like look I couldn't take your voice I had to turn off I have other things to do no it was on my way home from work and and I started listening to another one I started listening to another one and I turned it off and listened to this one so there. And then you're like, well, fuck this. I'm turning it right back. No, I really just turned it on to see how my microphone was this time. <laughs> you are awful. Do you know how many times I have to listen to this shit before I, I edit, before I can even post it? What? <laughs> no one listens to it. And I have to listen to it like 15 times before it's even posted because <laughs> I edit it. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> you know what we <laughs> there's one person in this world that genuinely listens to our podcast and it's my friend Valerie because she's always like texting me like she loves it oh well so shout out to Valerie the, <laughs> yeah the only real one in the world um <laughs> Well, her and her sister and I are friends. Her sister's Laura. And so, like, Laura was over with Dakota and the baby, and we were, like, at the pool. And Valerie calls Laura. She didn't know she was at my house. And she's like, um, did you know that Kate has a podcast and it's funny? (laughs) And so I heard her say it because I thought she was calling as a joke. But then she started, like, talking about the different jokes. And then, like, last week, she was, like, texting me about, like, oh, my God, when you said this at this part, I started dying. (laughs) So, thank you, Valerie, for being the only person in my life that supports me. Thank you, Valerie. We appreciate it. They don't. They don't even listen. (laughs) I appreciate that Valerie listens. (laughs) You're like, she takes one for the team because I'm not listening to this bullshit. (laughs) I usually listen to it. You have said that three weeks in a row, Paige, and proved otherwise. <laughs> I, I think I got through like 20 minutes of, of the first one. Oh my, it stopped making it worse. Like, this... 
I think. <laughs> Let me look. Hold on. Let's see. I there's thirty minutes left. Well, what do you fucking do? <laughs> I got through like half of it. I listen okay. to half of Tanya Harding. <laughs> you were soldiering on through my horrible voice. Stop it! That's not the reason. I stopped listening to it because it's like Dude, my voice. I hear your your voice is fine. Your words are boring as fuck. <laughs> That is not it. Oh man. <laughs> Your jokes are just stupid. <laughs> He's just like, I just fast forward until I hear you rant and then I laugh at you yeah. laughing. <laughs> oh, that was one of the things Valerie called you. It's like Your cousin laughs at you so much. <laughs> Because you're funny. <laughs> Go on these crazy rants. Especially... It's like, no, it's because they're trying to see if she's going to hit the tea kettle notes this week. <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, that was funny. So if anyone wants to sponsor us... <laughs> Valor, I'm talking to you. <laughs> Just mail me some money. <laughs> we'll talk <Sorry>. about you. <laughs> oh. oh, Lord. It's funny. So, like, after that, let's get into the. <laughs> Fucking documentary about child abuse, and I'm already done laughing. <laughs> oh, okay, okay. So, like, buckle up because so David is Jesse and Arnold's dad, and they were convicted of the child abuse and all that. But um, wait. David is Jesse's He's... brother and Arnold's son. Right. What did I say? <laughs> he was their dad. <laughs> Great job. Now you're messing up the story. <laughs> okay. I'm just going to start over. <laughs> no, you got to leave that in. <laughs> Andrew Jarecki was initially going to do a documentary about children's birthday party entertainers. And then he met professional clown David Friedman, who was the son and brother of Arnold and Jesse Freeman. And um, Arnold and Jesse were convicted of child sexual abuse in a high profile 1980s criminal trial. Um, which like first of all why are you a clown and second of all like why would you go into children's entertainment when your brother and your dad went to jail for child like porn and sexual endangerment like what I didn't even think where, about that where was the logic there I didn't even think about that. <laughs> oh, it's terrible. <laughs> and you know that after people saw this documentary, like his sales went way down. Like he booked a lot less, <laughs> a lot less shows. <laughs> Uh, well, spoiler alert, like at the end of the movie, it says he is the number one clown in New York. Not anymore. But like the number one is he may be the only. Okay. <laughs> 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 
Oh, did anybody Google him to see if he still does it? I didn't. I'm gonna. <laughs> oh, hold on. Like, and he could not have looked like more of a loser in his fucking clown outfit. Like, God. Oh. <laughs> it's so weird. But so, um, he so when Andrew Jarecki started like like I guess um trying to get an interview with him. <sighs> I, I'm trying not to laugh. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Is it cutting in and out? No, it's fine. Um so the Friedman family had like a ton of home movies made by the Friedmans like before, during, and like well I guess not after but like leading up to them getting arrested and their trial and everything so Drecky like switched from like the whole children's birthday party entertainer thing and decided to investigate the family <laughs> and I think it paid off for him like these people are fucking weird <laughs> so um I mean this whole thing is just crazy like the <laughs> 70s and 80s were wild <laughs> I mean could you even imagine meeting someone and asking them what they do and they're like uh, professional clown like uh huh like I would have been like bye <laughs> and been gone like and in my mind like clown like you're either it or like John Wayne Gacy like there's no in between you're killing people <laughs> and like the sad thing about this whole thing is like the, this idiot who like is a fucking children's clown is like the least weird one on the show. That's that is true. <laughs> I mean, he really he's like the strange. He's the least strange of all of them. Well, no, Seth, who refused to have anything to do with this, was the best one. <laughs> um, the documentary opens with home footage of Jesse Friedman and he's just saying like, oh, it's me, Jesse. Like, he seems very awkward and nerdy. And they all kind of talk like their tongue is swollen. <laughs> like, I don't... It's very odd. He puts his his dad, Arnold, or he pulls his dad, Arnold, into the frame and he's like, you know, smiling or whatever. And then Jesse says, like obviously in like an interview um he said i still feel like i knew my father very well i don't think that just because there were things in his life that were private and secret and shameful that that means that the father who i knew and the things that i knew about him were in any way not real which yeah i mean they're still real but it's also still real that he was awful <clears throat> um, so the Friedman family was made up of Arnold, who's the dad, Elaine, the mom, and their sons, David, Seth, and Jesse. And like, I feel like everybody in that house fucking wanted to like burn Elaine alive. They all seemed to hate her. They did. It was kind of sad. Yeah. They were really mean to her. Yeah. Well, they're, they're, he probably groomed them to, like, believe him and not her, whatever, prefer him and not her. So, but we meet Elaine. She says, Arnold liked pictures. Well, let's face it. He liked pictures. And I wrote, okay, so by pictures, she means porn. Uh, they lived in Great Night Neat. Well, they lived in Great Neck, New York. From the videos 
like it looks like it was the 70s 80s I could I didn't know exactly what year it was I think it was the 80s okay 80s and so David Friedman is being interviewed like as an adult and he says that he has very good memories of how he grew up in his childhood he's stuttering a lot he says his childhood was good because of his friends Speaking about his father, he says, I mean, he may not have been the best father, but he went to Columbia University and after he graduated to the Catskills, oh, after he graduated, he went to the Catskills to play in his band. What? How? He said he may not have been the best father, but like, how did that, that, what was, what did that have to do with anything? He went to school and he graduated? is it me isn't that a weird thing to say yeah yeah like you'd think after a statement like that it'd be like but he did the best he could or like you know but he tried to spend time with us I just didn't think like going to college before you were even born had anything to do with being a father (laughs) so Arnold had a band called Arnito Ray and his orchestra. Um, and Jesse says, My fa- like, orchestra, what it like, like, is it symphony music? No, I thought uh, it was like a Latin band. Yeah, it was. <laughs> They're just very dumb. Ugh. So the band was called Arnito Ray and his orchestra. Um, Jesse says, my father's name was Arnold Freeman, and this was in the late 40s, early 50s, and he played Latin music, which was very big at the time. So he changed his name to Arnito Ray. Arnie Um, Del Ray. No, I think it's Arnito Ray. I thought it was Arnie Del Ray. No, I don't think so. Because it was Latin, so they did it Arnito. I thought it was Latin, so they did Del Rey. Like, Are you, you know sure? I think I read something that on the on the um like on the marquee Emily, when Google. Huh? Um, I told Emily give me the phone so I can Google it. Okay, wait. I just got to the part on the... Yeah, it's Arnita. Here, I'm screenshotting it. Let Emily send that to you. And I'll take my apology. (laughs) (laughs) Arnito what? Ray. Oh, yeah, you're right. (laughs) I just saw it on the the marquee. (laughs) Oh, I fucked that up. (laughs) You were very... Very... (laughs) And I was, like, convinced you were wrong. very sure of yourself. I was. I was like, she is fucking that up. (laughs) (laughs) Bitch, you slip in. Thought not. Thought not. Oh, that's funny. Okay. (laughs) So he changed his name to Arnito Ray. and (laughs) And David says his dad was a cool guy. And I think David and I have very different ideas of what cool is. <laughs> Arnold was a school teacher. David says, I think the other kids liked him and he liked the kids, but he didn't spend a lot of time with his wife. So he would teach high school during the day. And then after school, he would come home and teach piano lessons and later computer lessons in the house. That was, of course, more time he didn't have to spend with his wife. Like, first of all, you mean your mom, buddy? And, like, second of all, like, 
given what the subject material is about to be, seems a little like <laughs> weird to be like, I, I, I think other kids liked him and he liked the kids. <laughs> Gross. <laughs> oh, it's, it's, it gets grosser. Ugh. Elaine says she's not that anxious to talk about Arnold because they were divorced. She really doesn't want to talk about him. But th- then that... why did you sign up to do <laughs> exactly? <laughs> the whole premise of this whole fucking documentary was about Arnold, and she doesn't want to talk about him. Like what on earth? <laughs> Like, oh, you know, that easy fix. Don't show up for filming. (laughs) They show a home video and Arnold is saying into the camera, in case anybody didn't know, I'm the father of this family. I'm never in the movies. You'll never see me in the pictures, but I really am the father. Um, David says, like he's just very complimentary of his father like you would think that the guy was like amazing and he looks like a peanut Uh, (laughs) David says his father was selfless and altruistic Jarecki clarifies that he was not with Elaine when he died and they split like a couple of years before that and David says there are some things he doesn't want to talk about like, okay, like, same thing. <laughs> then why sign up? <laughs> and, like, um, I have a doubt that you don't want to talk about because, like, you did a fucking video blog in the 80s before that was even a thing. <laughs> so a home video from November of 1988 is shown. And David is on his bed in white boxers and a white undershirt doing his video diary and it's as cringy and uncomfortable as you would expect it to be. Like, why are you in your boxers and underwear? He starts out saying, this is private, so if you're not me, then you really shouldn't be watching this because it's supposed to be a private situation between me and me. This is between me now and me in the future. And I've noted, like, He's already balding in the early video. And I said, so I feel like he's way too old to be doing this shit. He keeps saying, so don't watch. This is private. If you're the fucking, oh God, the cops. If you're the fucking cops, go fuck yourselves because you're full of shit. And I was like, what is going on? Like, and first of all, who in their right mind thinks that if they make a video diary and someone else comes across it, they're not going to watch it because telling you, if I find someone's actual diary, I'm reading it. (laughs) If you want it to be between you and you, say it in your head and leave it there. (laughs) Postal inspector John McDermott is interviewed and says, in 1984, U.S. Customs had seized some child pornography addressed from the Netherlands in the mail to Arnold Friedman. Now, Arnold never got that piece of mail, but his name was forwarded on to us. So what we would do then, we would initiate correspondence with Arnold in the hopes that we could determine if he is in fact willing to violate that statute again um, about mailing or receiving child pornography. We see a note that says, Dear Stan, the book is Joe 14 and his uncle. I think I'd like you to send me something. Sort of in good faith, and I will forward you this rather precious book to you. Thanks, Arnie. Like, ooh. <laughs> Elaine is shaking her head and says, See, it's very hard to believe that this so-called good marriage was so disturbed. She's grossed out. And McDermott says, from the beginning, he wanted his book back. So I thought, oh, the porn book bag. So I thought, okay, let's grant him his wish. I dressed up as a mail carrier, knocked on his door, asked him if he was Arnold Friedman. He replied he was, and I said, I have a package for you. Sign right here. And he did. 
About an hour later, we went back. We gave him some time with the magazine. Like, ew. Like, you need yeah, to say that. Yeah, that was so weird. Especially it's child porn. <clears throat> Why are you trying to give him time with that? <laughs> McDermott says he put a blue suit jacket over the mailman uniform, knocked on the door, and told him that he had a search warrant for child pornography. He said, there's nothing like that here. And McDermott said, you don't recognize me? And Arnold's like, no. And I took off my jacket and I said, now do you recognize me? Oh, yeah. Oh, okay. The magazine is upstairs. And I wrote, stop. Ew, God. (laughs) So we went up to his bedroom and the top dresser drawer was the open magazine. He thought, well, he thought he would take the magazine. Oh. Arnold thought that the police would just take the magazine and leave. I said, no, we have a search warrant. We're going to search the whole house for child pornography. And around that time, his wife showed up. Elaine says, I thought they were searching for marijuana or something. She thought it all was a big mistake. McDermott says when he was sending Arnold's when he was searching Arnold's office, as he was about to open a drawer, Friedman came rushing in and said, wait, wait, I'll get that for you. He said it like, he said, here it is. That that's all there is. Like, how stupid is he? Like, if somebody's like, that's, that's all there is. Go away, get out. Like, okay, well now I'm going to search extra hard everywhere else. Like what a dumbass. McDermott's like, yeah, that's great. I'm still searching. Like you, like, tell me it's not it all you want. Arnold tries to argue, like, I don't understand. Why aren't you leaving? Like, well, because they don't believe you. They have a search warrant because they think you're doing Elaine says he didn't leave it lying on the kitchen counter table or anything. She's like, he wasn't proud of it. He kept it hidden. She's like, his office was downstairs. It wasn't just right there. You had to go down the stairs and around the corner. Like, you had to find your way through the labyrinth to get to Goblin City to get to his office. He wouldn't let the cleaning lady clean his office. And Elaine never went in there. I mean, like, why would she go in there? Like, if she thought it was just, like, an office for, like, stupid school stuff. Like, I wouldn't go in there. Yeah, but that makes it weirder that he wouldn't let the cleaning lady clean in there. Oh, yeah, well, that. Yeah, that's true. But you know what? Sometimes my dad didn't like, like, if we had a cleaning lady, he would get annoyed because she always put things away and then he couldn't find them. Mm-hmm. So some people might be like, uh-uh, I got important papers in there. <laughs> Which, grossly, his were just the nasty kind. Mm-hmm. So, but I also can't tell, like, did she know? Like, I feel like she didn't know, but then sometimes it seems like she did know. Like, he was a pedophile. I don't think she knew. If I have to be honest about it, I don't think she knew. Yeah. Well, and I I just couldn't tell if, like, that's what she thought then, or, like, that's what she was saying. Like, when she's interviewed now, and she's, like, older. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the inspectors moved the piano that was in his office and that's where his stash of magazines were held they show the evidence photos and Jesus Christ like that was a lot one of the magazines is called jailbait Elaine says he liked to look at pictures of boys I wrote, um, ma'am, you have three sons. (laughs) She says it's not like he acted on these things. He just wanted to look at pictures and meditate. Yeah, I wrote that real big. Meditate, like, what the fuck? Well, it's pronounced masturbate. Yeah. Um, oh, gross. (laughs) McDermott lists some of the magazines, and it's like, Young Boys and Sodomy incest case histories and i wrote no he has three sons <laughs> thing called chicken picket magazine like and i like that's i'm going to hell because i definitely started laughing at that like what the fuck is chicken pickens 
And then I was like, what if he was like, no, that's not, that's a farming magazine. He also, they also found evidence of a computer class being taught there by Mr. Friedman. So they seized a list of names of potential students. Frances Galasso, she was, um, she was the head of sex crimes, right? Yes. Um, she said, just when you think everything is going to be dull, something gets dropped in your lap. Um, yeah, she's the retired director of the sex crimes unit. Maybe it's years of law and order SVU, but like, I would highly doubt that there's a dull day if you're working in a sex crimes unit. That just seems stressful. Well, I guess maybe in a small city, it well, would be a little bit different. Hopefully. So they took yeah. the class list, sectioned it off, and sent detectives to do the interviews. The parents were impatient and wanted something done immediately, but obviously they like have to base build their case carefully. Um, and then like there's a new local news report on TV, and it had like a picture of Arnold, and it's like a prominent middle-aged teacher. And I don't know why that made me laugh. It's like <laughs> you couldn't just say man. <laughs> in a prosperous Long Island town is charged with sodomizing young boys who were his students. Detective Galasso said they rang the doorbell and when he saw who he was, he didn't want to let them in. So one of the detectives broke the door down like, <laughs> what? Like, what? Why wouldn't he just open the door? Like, if they see you see them, like, open the door. <laughs> Arnold was alone. And Elaine was out shopping. It was the day before Thanksgiving. I said, but that was a super thankful Thanksgiving. <laughs> Elaine says, I was out buying a Thanksgiving turkey. When she got home, she saw all the police in her house. Elaine says, there were people all around the house. And my husband is sitting looking very sheepishly in the dining room, handcuffed. Like, that would be a trip to walk into. Galasso says, a lot of news organizations arrived on the scene david said he came home for thanksgiving and when he got there cops and news trucks were all over the place joseph honorado assistant district attorney says that when david got to the house they were able to ascertain the type of business he was in and then they show him blowing up a balloon and we heard that he was involved in children's entertainment in the form of some sort of clown activities this guy sounds very skeptical of this entire family. <laughs> Immediately, there's another guy being interviewed, and he, I don't know if I'm going to be able to say this, but I mean, he's like, I was there when the clown came in. Yeah. <laughs> he did call him back. Like, he just said it so funny. Like, he's like, Yeah, I was there when the clown came in. Like, <laughs> like you think he's like yeah I was there when David got there <laughs> it sounded like and this tone sounded like these fucking idiots uh -huh. <laughs> yeah he was real pissed off about it <laughs> he continues he was ranting and raving we had words and I was going through the folders we told him to take a hike and he kept trying to come into the house. Galasso says, I kept telling him that he couldn't, that he had to leave. The last time he came, he bent down and reached into a duffel bag. So, of course, they're all thinking he's, like, going to pull a gun on them. What he actually pulled out was a pair of Fruit of the Loom underwear. And then he put it on his head and started prancing around with his arms flailing in the air, yelling, Look at me, look at me. I'm an asshole. I'm an asshole. I was like, <laughs> what? And it says we see we see it. We see David on video with his tidy whities saying they're harassing my father <laughs> for no reason at all. And then, you know, current David says, if I had a scarf, I would have wrapped the scarf around my net head and been Lawrence of Arabia. He says he did it because he didn't want to be on camera. Like, what are you talking about? You don't want to be on camera. You tape everything. <laughs> and and he stood in front of a camera and did that. Right, I said, whatever. If you don't want to be on camera, you don't have to keep going back in. That's very important. Um, quick, 
yeah so miss teen dream over here um clearly giving a hundred percent in the participation category she's like oh look look at this pick it's like she's just <laughs> like yeah like he didn't have to keep going back in he was he's a weirdo and like didn't he say he's doing it in front of the news vans like Mm-hmm. But was it looked like it was also from a home video? So like, was he having one of his brothers do it too? Like tape him too? <laughs> Possibly. So then they show like a news report, and it says the first arrested was Arnold Friedman, a retired school teacher who was charged with sodomizing boys aged eight to eleven. Galasso is shown at a press conference saying the charges are that while running a computer school, Arnold Freeman and his son engaged in various forms of sexual abuse of children. Um, and I really thought they were going to, like, it was going to be David and the dad. But David said Jesse pulled up and his friend dumped him out of the car. Jesse says, David sort of grabbed me and we were sitting a couple of houses down on the sidewalk. And he was saying something to me. And then one of the cameras came over. So they ran to the backyard and went behind the house. They were in their backyard. And the cops came back there and said, what's going on here? And David said, don't worry about it. It's just me and Jesse. And the cops said they needed Jesse in the house. When the police were conducting their interviews, Jesse's name kept coming up. The police ascertained that Jesse's role was not just conducting the computer class but that he was abusing the children as well. The kids reported that Jesse would slap them or pull their hair, twist their arms, you know, anything, I guess, to make them comply. Um, Jesse was allegedly the violent one. Um, And Judd, Judd Malton, who was Jesse's best friend, tells us the police decided that Jesse was the aggressor and that even Arnold was afraid of him. Jesse was a sexually molesting tyrant. And I said, um, well, Jesse sure looks like more the person that would get bullied, not to be the bully. But like, I, I don't, I don't think that that's how he looked. He looked like Weasley. I don't know. He just looks scrawny and weak um, and a loser. Jesse was not an angry person, not an upset person. We ended up spending a lot of time together three to four days a week. So as far as Judd knows, none of this stuff ever happened. And they play a news clip of Jesse being arrested and he looks like a sleazy 90 or 70s porn star. He said the only thought he had that night was that they were going to get bailed out, go home and figure out what was going on the lawyers and then the lawyers lawyers would take care of everything it would be straightened out because it was a big misunderstanding bail was set at a million dollars so they did not get bailed out and were taken back to jail because i think you have to give like 10 percent of bail right like so you would have they would have had to pay a hundred thousand and so elaine says the nassau county cops showed her Uh, magazines and they said see look at this magazine they were embarrassed to show her the magazine because of what the pictures were and she says that she basically couldn't comprehend that she said at the end of the whole thing the lawyer showed her the magazine and then she really saw it like so I guess she wouldn't look at it but then like so she had no idea but I guess, like, later she realized, like, that's what he was, like, maybe she believed him in the beginning and then realized he was a pedophile later. I don't know. That's just, like, I couldn't even imagine having to deal with that. Like, could you imagine if you're, like, um, you, like, what? Hmm. And especially, like, from a cop, that's how you find out? Mm-hmm. <clears throat> Ugh. But she said she just couldn't believe that child porn was even a thing in the world. In a clip from a home movie recording from Thanksgiving, Elaine says she's most thankful for her husband, Arnie. And then they clip, they cut to a clip of Arnold walking, being walked in the courthouse in handcuffs. Uh, 
Um, Howard Friedman is Arnold's brother, and he is very extra. He says he was the first one to visit Howard or visit Arnold in prison. Howard says Arnold came into this room and it was all awful surroundings. He didn't have his glasses on. He was blind as a bat. Someone had taken his glasses off and stomped on them. He smelled of urine because other inmates would throw their pee on him, threatened to throw him down the stairs because they knew what crime he was in for and it had been all over the media. Howard is very dramatic. He says Arnold was like Howie. They're going to kill me. Howie, you got to get me out of here. Now, I don't... I, I don't know. Cameras were allowed in the Nassau County Courthouse for the first time ever for Arnold and Jesse's indictment hearing. They were indicted on 91 counts of sodomy and sexual abuse. They both pled not guilty, and Howard compares it to the McMartin trials. And I don't know if you know what if the McMartin trials were, but it was a daycare sexual abuse case from the 1980s. Members of the McMartin mm. family who operated a preschool in Manhattan Beach, California, were charged with numerous acts of sexual abuse of children in their care. The case lasted for over seven years, but resulted in no convictions and all charges were dropped in 1990. Like by the end of it closing out, it became the longest and most expensive case in American history. I'd never heard about that one before. Um, I had heard about it, but I didn't really know what it was fully. I had to Google it. Mm-hmm. Um, Howard says somehow the police were able to convince the kids that something happened. Howard says they, I'm guessing Arnold and Jesse kept saying that they were innocent, so he felt like he had to believe them. Francis Colasso says it was hard for people to accept what happened. Arnold was an award-winning teacher. He taught computer and piano. Um, they flashed pictures of him receiving awards, and <laughs> he looks like a peanut. Um, <laughs> Elaine says Arnold taught David how to play the piano, and David played it beautifully. David says... After Arnold died, oh, current David says, after Arnold died, wrote spoiler alert, I guess, he realized what an impact Arnold had on his life. Then he says, he was very supportive of my magic when I was a kid. And I had to pause because I started laughing. I mean, the jokes are writing themselves at this point. Like, magic. So then they show a a clip of David from 1976 not doing a single magic trick, but pretending he's about to set up for like, you know, the thing where they pull out all the ribbon. Mm. Like magic people where they try to act like. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And so Arnold took David to his first magic show at age six. David says it's his earliest memory. Um, magic, really? Elaine says, you know, when your kid goes to college and you say, what are you going to be? Be a doctor, be a lawyer. She laughs and says she tried to make him a doctor or a lawyer. David says his mom would tell him to get a job, get a job. And his dad would say, I can't really tell you what to do because you know what I did when I got out of college. Um, So I'm guessing this part of the interview was filmed when it was still the clown interview, like the clown movie, because it's the way they were saying things. I don't know. I thought that. Um, so Arnold says he blew off his chemical engineering degree. And David says he could have worked for an oil company and made tons of money, but he went and played in the mountains. So follow your dream artistic thing. David loved him for that. And I was like, well, he's also your father. Like, you probably love him because he's your dad. And I wrote um, to my kids, follow your dreams unless you want to be a clown. I'm not a fan of that dream. You will not support that one. No, I'm like, no, definitely. I'd be like, you, you, you need to go. 
um, we see a shadow of someone talking and then Chiron says, father of a computer student. He says he trusted Arnold with his kids and Arnold turned out to be a monster. The things that are being said and what Arnold was being accused of upset the entire community. Elaine says, Great Neck is a peninsula. It was a very insulated community. It's on the north shore of Long Island and it's typically wealthy. There's a lot of competition in Great Neck. Everybody thinks that their kid is a genius or did a, or a great athlete or destined for something huge. Everyone wants their kids to be happy and give them different experiences. And that computer course was one of those experiences. The police interviewed um, different children, I guess, that enrolled in his computer classes. And the kids reported, and the kids reported it started, um, started as, oh, okay. So they, when they interviewed the kids, what the kids were saying, it seemed like they were being given little tests to see if they were receptive or open to like, you know, basically grooming them to abuse them. Um, and Arnold would do that by using inappropriate computer games or something like that. Galasso says, if you were the kid that was going to be abused that day, Arnold may sit right next to you and put your arm around you. As time went on, he was touching, um, touching private parts. The investigation uncovered that the abuse was not only touching, but acts of sodomy, both oral and anal sodomy. And I thought, like, I thought sodomy was just like, but I didn't know it could be. Yeah, it's like something up your butt. Well, right, but it says both oral and anal. Oh, ugh. <laughs> I just got that. <laughs> ugh. In case you want to mark it down, another thing my life is sheltered about. Um, there's another person that's in shadow, and his Chiron says he was a former computer student. He says that from what he saw, none of the kids were raped or abused out on the floor. Um, and I guess that was what they called the classroom. He says the kids were raped in either Jesse's room or the bathroom. Jarecki asks him about the inappropriate computer games that were played, and he says there were games where there were naked girls. He says one of the times he slipped a disc out and took it home and copied it, and Arnold found out, and because of that, he was raped by Arnold and Jesse at the same time. That's how he was punished. And I was like, er, what? Like, okay. Jarecki asks, how did Arnold know he had bought brought the disc home and the student says he accounted for all the discs that were there then he screamed who the fuck took this tell me now or I'll kill you all and he had a knife and he was waving it around so the student was like I did it I did it and I wrote um that seems unlikely like that was a very weird story like first of all I don't see this guy like screaming like he seems like a fucking timid mouse that like asks if he can use the bathroom Ron I don't know how to say his last name it's like Georgillis who was also a computer student says his experience was basically positive he did not witness or experience any of the evil things that were reported he says they make him sound like some sort of brutal sadist where Ron always thought of him as being kind and kind of a nebbish. And nebbish is a Yiddish word for a person who is regarded as pitiful, ineffectual, timid, or submissive. Ron says the classes were just as boring as you would expect a computer class to be. Um, then Galasso says it was just generally a free-for-all. Everybody could see what was going on, and very often they would participate in games. Um, then the first shadowy guy, he says, I was the, uh, wait. Oh, okay. So God, my notes are bad this week. I scribbled out a lot. So I keep like skipping over stuff. Um, so go Okay. Everybody could see what was going on and very often they would participate in games. 
And then the officer, like, front that did one of the searches says he used to play a, ca- a game called Leapfrog. It messed him up hearing that story. And he says everyone would be naked. One guy would be jumping over the other guy. Everybody's butts up in the air. And we cut back to Ron who says the stories were absurd. Cut to a shadow guy who's laying like he's a Greek god waiting to be fed grapes. Is like, oh, Leapfrog? Yeah, I remember that. He says it kind of like, he says it's kind of like Twister, where we would have to sit down with our butts in the air. Our asses would be in the air, and Arnold and Jesse would leap one person to another, sticking their dick in each in our asses. And I said, again, that seems unlikely. That's very insane. Like, how could you even do that? You're not leapfrog. Like, that just, that's weird. Yeah. And then it went over, like, how that guy on the couch had said that none of the molestation happened on the, the floor, like the computer floor where he taught the classes. But then apparently, you know, then the, the couch guy said that, you know, this happened inside. And then he changed his story to, no, it was outside. Okay. So you all went outside butt ass naked and nobody saw you. I thought he was saying, well, I thought the whole thing was that he said that the abuse took place either in the bathroom or Jesse's bedroom. And so the yeah. open part, I didn't think he said anything about going outside. I think maybe. More- I thought he said that when, when he, cause the, the documentary, the documentarian said, I thought you said none of the abuse happened you know, where the computers were, and he said, no, we went outside. Oh, I yeah, I wrote it, he said that. my next paragraph, it says, so Jarecki's mm. like, hold up, I thought you said the abuse occurred in Jesse's bedroom, or the bathroom, so no one was raped in the computer room. Shadow Guy is like, the leapfrog game, which was not molestation, was done outside in the computer room. So, outside of the bedroom so- in the computer room that oh okay okay then i got that mixed up but then he says it was not molestation yeah yeah he makes no sense yeah um that was a group game the actual molestation one-on-one contact happened in the bathroom the game happened out on the floor and i wrote uh sure i guess i'm not I'm not sure I understand how them sticking their dicks in people is not considered a form of molestation, but okay. Uh, well, but but I still don't see where like he was telling the truth because there there was no way he was because he he already said that there was no molestation with that game, but then he said that they played leapfrog where Jesse and Arnold put their dicks in them. Yeah. Yeah, no, I mean, it's like, what are you talking about? Yeah, he was completely lying. Yeah. Um, Scott Banks, who was the judge's legal secretary, said there were a lot of questions like, how did this go on in this house for so long and not come out? But, um, you know, that was for what the judge needed to decide. He said that the children were pretty vivid in their recollections about what Arnold and Jesse had done to them. Judge Bachlin was the judge who presided over the case. She says there was never a doubt in her mind as to their guilt. Judge Bachlin was also very familiar with sex crimes cases. She had been head of the sex crimes unit before, so she wasn't naive and she knew like what was going on. She was outraged and believed something very, very bad was going on. And see, that's kind of where I, like, I don't know that their specific stories are true. I don't think it was like that, like some sort of like free for all when they walked into computer class. But I am sure he would have done stuff to kids if he could have. And maybe he did. But at the very least, he still had child porn. Mm Mm-hmm. Like, if, if somebody, if I got something in the mail and I opened it, it was child porn, I would, like, call the FBI myself, like, immediately and be like, can you please help? Like, I opened this. I didn't know what it was. Come take it. 
Yeah. Howard says the scenario, as posted by the media and the police, was so incredibly far out that it was hard for him to believe. And I said, unrelated side note, Howard reminds me of um, Harvey Firestein. Do you remember that actor? He, um, he was Robin Williams' brother in Mrs. Doubtfire. Like, he the one yes. that turned him into Mrs. Doubtfire. Yeah. I don't know what it was about him, but he reminded me of that guy. They didn't really look alike. <laughs> no, I get it. Um, we will end part one of Capturing the Freedmen's here. Make sure to tune in for part two. Thank you for listening to True Crime, True Family. Follow us on our Twitter at TCTFP and Instagram at TCTF Podcast. Don't forget to subscribe to us where you get your podcasts so you don't miss an episode. Please leave a rating and review. We appreciate all the feedback. Join us next week.